Hi there, I'm Benjamin Light. And this is Marco Sparks. And I'm Heather Hogan. This is Jacob Clifton. And this is Crossfire. (laughs) (laughs) We're here to do a little PLL roundtable. Thank you to everyone who sent in questions. And uh, we'll go ahead and kick it right off. Well, I think we should probably first just thank Norman Buckley for suggesting this. Uh, Because this is definitely the kind of thing I'd want to listen to. And I just thanks Norman Buckley for getting involved with fans in the first place. Because... It's not like he really needs us or needs our opinions, but I love that he's so active and just soliciting questions and getting in there and mixing it up with people, you know? Absolutely. I think Norman Buckley's the best. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, let's see. We've got a question from uh, Like a Steel Knife on Twitter. Uh, if someone had to have another fever drug slash dream, what, what kind of uh, genre, I guess, would, would you want that to be set in? Like if somebody else is going to have like a, their own Fugue State episode. What would you like to see? <laughs> I would really, for me, I always want to see Spencer with the fever dreams because I feel like she has the most information in her brain to pull from. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'd like, I think I'd really be into a musical episode of Pretty Little Liars, but I mean, like a really over the top cheesy musical episode <laughs> of Pretty Little Liars. Not, not like a Buffy episode, but like, like hardcore camp. Mm-hmm. And would you want that with, um, original music or just using like popular music oh no definitely original music uh accompanied by tippy the bird yeah. so yeah <laughs> i think i think that'd be perfect all right jacob well I, i'm always interested in what's going on inside hannah's head and she's had some fun with her noir adventures so i would like to see what happens to hannah in a sort of spencer environment i think that would be pretty good that would be good um, part of me wants to jokingly say Blade Runner, almost kind of playing off what Jacob <laughs> said, but, uh, really, I, I think I've joked about this before with Benji, like, a Western just seems so bonkers to me. Oh, yes. Like, somehow, like, I don't know, someone hits their head and they've all magically time-traveled <laughs> back to, like, Rosewood <laughs> in the 1860s, uh, and it becomes, like, Deadwood or something. I, I, and I just think about, like, Ezra dressed like Ian McShane with, like, a mustache. <laughs> So I have to say, and I don't know, I'm going to cheat a little and mention something I've, I've brought up on the podcast. Um, I would love to see kind of a Clue-style murder mystery uh, in the, the PLL vein. I guess from like maybe Arya's perspective, because she seems the craziest. Uh, but <laughs> anything where they could be locked in a mansion and have to solve a mystery, I think would be wonderful. <laughs> oh, and the possibility for costumes is endless for a Clue-style mystery that's a great idea yeah okay so um we've got this question asked in a lot of different ways i'll go ahead and use a louder noise here uh they say thoughts on the reasons for the extreme hate page gets and what can be done about it oh man i can't (laughs) answer that first somebody else is going first (laughs) (laughs) i'm not i'm not answering that first (laughs) i mean i think you could say there i don't know if there's any one reason that some people don't like page um i guess i would say i think if you're not empathetic to her, the thing she does can be unlikable. But if, if you see her side, like you kind of have to come at it from her perspective. And I think a lot of people don't because 
they're coming at it from you know the the main liar's perspective instead. Well, I think I think one of the things playing off that is that you have to kind of eventually make peace with the fact that all of the characters in the show are terrible people in some way or another, or have done something just heinous to another human being. And Paige is not, and we still like them for it. But Paige is not exempt from that necessarily. You know, um, she has her qualities that are more than admirable. You know, more than likable. Um, and there are the flaws too. But I mean, like if if people can make peace with Ezra after <laughs> you know season four and parts of season five, and just watching him feed food in a disgusting manner to Arya, <laughs> like <laughs> why the ultimate crime? Yeah, yeah, I mean, we've talked about on our show just that that I think we're coming around yeah. to Paige more because we feel like she's finally uh, believing in herself more than just believing in Emily. You know. Um, because we don't, I don't, I don't think that she could be in a good relationship with Emily until she, she, she believes in herself. Really, I guess I don't repeat myself. Because mm-hmm. um, she's just kind of bending over for Emily, and Emily's walking all over her far too much. It's how is what I've taken from it, and I like that she's doing the wrong thing sometimes, just you know, for the right reason, and and yeah, it's going to piss Emily off. But Emily's not always in the same headspace as her. Yeah. What do you think, Jacob? Well, I think that fandom has a long memory and that there are a lot of community building exercises that, that we take part in, like Maya is very old and Ezra is a pedophile and that <laughs> those are all fun things to do. And because Paige is such a nutcase early on, it's something that is varying degrees of funny for all of us. So no matter how the writers put her through her paces and try to show us different angles on her, because the actress is terrific. She can do anything. Mm-hmm. So the more that, that they try to show us sort of the different sides of her and something that we can be, because I'm really into her now, after this last season, uh, you still, you know, depending on the kind of community situation or fandom space that you're in, there's still either to go for the easy joke or because you want Emily to go somewhere else. I mean, all of their significant others are sort of lightning rods going one way or mm-hmm. the other. Yeah. And that's the reason that it, so heightened around page has to do with visibility and has to do with sort of queer identity and, and a lot of the things that Emily is also a lightning rod for. So it doesn't, the content of the drama surrounding page and Paley um, can take a lot of different forms, but I mean, I think it's there for a reason. I think it's undifferentiated craziness that would be going on around page and Emily, no matter what was going on. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Would you, would you say that maybe all of them wearing boxers on Spencer's staircase could be like a team building exercise? <laughs> <laughs> like for the fans and for <laughs> the actual characters in the show. Well, it's good to experience things in different contexts, certainly. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, I think the page thing for me is I think, generally speaking, queer people come at television from a very defensive place. And the reason why is because for so long there was nothing to choose from. And so if you wanted to see a queer character that reminded you of yourself, you know, your choices were basically to like watch European television translated on YouTube or, you know, read a book or, you know, nothing. And so I think that, that that lesbian and bisexual women, especially, and especially in a place like Rosewood where lesbians die all the time. (laughs) I think, I think that people come at it this from, almost expecting to be slighted. Um, mm-hmm. And when you take that and you add it into um, sort of the echo chamber of fandom, I think, uh, I think that's just a tricky place to come from. But I do think that Paige does get 
I don't, I don't know if she gets an irrational amount of hate, but she's in a tricky position because ABC Family really markets to young straight women, and so they're always trotting out the male love interest. Mm-hmm. And Lindsay Shaw kind of gets shafted in that area, and then, or the other side of that is they're bringing out the actual characters who play the liars, and you know, Lindsay Shaw is kind of not involved in that either, so she falls into this very weird middle of this Venn diagram. Um, so I don't know. I think it's, I think that's. That all plays into it. Um, and I also think part of it is that I might get in trouble for saying this, but I, I think that you know, it's, with some of the characters, the arcs from season to season or half season to half season is very, it's very seamless, very flawless. But with Paige, every kind of half season brings out a new facet of her personality. Mm-hmm. Um, or, you know, it's like the writers are trying to figure out how to integrate her into the story. And so she'll go a half season and just be making just... She'll either be super vanilla and not doing anything or just, you know, being <laughs> really uh, complicated and sometimes awful. Uh, so I think like what Jacob said, fandom does have a long memory. And um, if you have a propensity to not like Paige, then you just are super going to not like her. You're going to mm-hmm. super hate. So You're right. Because she, sometimes she's very involved in like the mystery, you know, right. sometimes it's just, she's just curious or it's like to protect Emily. And then sometimes she's not. I think, um, this is a long time ago, but you had retweeted something, I think, Heather, like right before Gotham came out, where and there was we didn't know what was going on with Montoya. Right. And you had retweeted somebody who said, like, I'm stuck in that place where I'm dubious of the possibility of having a gay character, but I'm also sure. incredibly hopeful. Right. You know, and I think that that's exactly right. Uh, yeah, and I think that's I think that I think the tricky thing about about Paige is everybody who really loves Paige and really loves Paley. It's almost like they're just waiting for when she's going to leave the show. <laughs> um, and so there is that defensiveness and there is that part of, you know, I, we've been, sh- you know, lesbians and bisexual women have been shafted so many times on television. And, um, and then there's this thing where it doesn't feel like, you know, it doesn't, I don't, we don't know how long she's going to be around. So yeah. it's just a tricky place to be, I think as a fan. You just know, you know, Ezra's not going anywhere, and right. Toby and Caleb mm-hmm. aren't going anywhere. But the, you just don't know with Paige: is she going? Is she staying? It's just hard. It's hard to say. So I think it's just a, a precarious place to be. Yeah. Well, I think Paige also kind of occupies a, a weird space where the other significant others, because they're men, it's like they can never those they will never be liars. You know, they're they're men. Sure. They're kind of not the central focus of the show. But Paige shares in a lot of the kind of same things that the liars share in, but it's like she's not part of the group just because right. and there's right. this tension of like whether or not she should be included yeah and i think that's probably true to a lot of queer experiences especially if you were surround if you are in a romantic relationship with someone whose friends are all straight i think that probably is really true to life um trying to kind of figure out your place in the world so yeah yeah, yeah. Well, I think uh, one of our one of our question askers had asked about like the difference between uh, Paley and Emerson, and mm-hmm. was it that Emerson doesn't frighten like the the gender normative or you know like because it seems like we've just had like this like civil war of shipping <laughs> on the it's Paley true. versus Emerson thing. <clears throat> Lots of shots fired. I mean, it's like a Ken Burns documentary it's about like, fandoms happening here. I never <laughs> even knew there was like an Emerson thing until this last season. I was kind of surprised that there's such a a fervent fan base for that. I called them, I called them Alice Emily because Jacob said that <laughs> a long time ago in a recap. So it, I was just calling them Alice Emily. <laughs> uh, and that's, I didn't know it existed either. Emerson as a, yeah. as a force. I didn't know until recently. <laughs> All 
All right, let's let's throw out a little bit of a different question here. This is from Quakerina, who writes, "Could Maya be alive?" I mean, <laughs> no. <laughs> you know, no. But I I have a secret wish. I really would love to see uh, like a Maya ghost, uh, someone in a Maya mask, just mm. coming back to torment Emily and Paige. Uh, I think that would be awesome. I mean, like, we've seen Paige lose her shit, but if Maya came back from the dead, <laughs> yeah. there is no death. A, a lot of trash cans getting kicked it over. It would be a lot. It would be a lot. I would love just to see the flashback scene where it's like a high school party and Paige, you know, before she's even involved Emily or whatever, is just sitting there listening to Maya talk sure. on any subject, and you could just, like, watch, like, steam blowing out of her ears and her face <laughs> turning red and crushing cans that shouldn't be crushed by human hands. <laughs> uh, but I, I always get frustrated whenever it's like, oh, here's my theory, you guys. Maya is actually like uh, Officer Barry's cousin. We never saw the body. Maya and Shauna are actually, and it's like, uh, do they have to be grouped together because they have the same skin color? Do they have to? Can they just be two people? You know? I I think that's so tricky because there's so few black people in Rosewood. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's <laughs> just, it's, and also, town. Cousin Nate came to town, right? He's yeah, like yeah. the only, the second black person we ever met. Totally yeah. related to Maya. Not related. I'm sorry. He was dating Maya. That's a whole other <laughs> level of <laughs> yeah. horribleness to that story. What do you think, Jacob? Is Maya alive? I sure hope so. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think Bianca Lawson could probably still pull it off. She still looks. She, she is not aging, and all of the Pretty Little Liars look older than her. She's on Teen Wolf now, <laughs> and she's she looks younger than all four of those girls that are playing the liars. Was she on Vampire Diaries? I don't she really was. watch it. Okay, because I figure. Tell me, please tell me she played a vampire because that's she, perfect casting. I I'm not, I don't even remember. She I I do know she got killed off of that <laughs> show because that's just what happens to her. Okay. Uh, she, she actually played a high school counselor on Teen Wolf and looked younger than the students so <laughs> yeah all right here's one uh do we think is from heather blakely do we think allison de Laurentiis ripped the heads off of her stuffed animals when she was a kid <laughs> i mean probably as storage units she probably ripped the heads off took the stuffing out and like hid her secret shit inside those things wouldn't you think <laughs> yeah it's perfect i love that Especially if she could also blame it on somebody else, too. Oh, sure. Sure. See, that would be like, it'd be her double plan. Her plan would be she could use it as storage, but also to set up someone else as being a sociopath. Exactly. Like her evil secret twin. Right. Right. (laughs) Or her good secret twin. (laughs) Depending on your point of view. Sure. Yeah, I think if she did, she would never let anyone know she's too secretive. Uh, here's one from Amanda. Would Arya be Slytherin or Gryffindor? This is important. Jacob, <laughs> Jacob, you answer that. Oh, well, <clears throat> she's Gryffindor, but, uh, I'm, I'll talk down on that one, Heather. I'm sorry. Just, <laughs> she's Gryffindor because she doesn't have any idea what the real world is like. All she has are her hopes and dreams and all of the different potentialities that, uh, she has identified within herself. Her various talents and skills and um, line dancing. And <laughs> so I would have to say she's Gryffindor. She's a, she's a brave soul. <laughs> I, think that's, I think that's a great analysis mm-hmm. of Arya's character. Yeah. Yeah, I, I kind of parroted that in one of her podcasts. We got some pushback. I guess my feeling is that Gryffindor is always kind of like the cool house to be in. 
And I, I mean, you can kind of choose with the sorting hat. So I feel like Arya would make sure she got into Gryffindor. The other thing about Gryffindor is everything is so black and white. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And that's totally Arya. That's just, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, I think all those times when Arya, like the four liars meet up and Arya like lays down the law and then she just walks off before anyone else can have a, <laughs> you know, a, <laughs> a, a comment. I think Arya's walking away and she's just muttering herself. 100 points to Gryffindor. You know, <laughs> doing a fist bump for herself. <laughs> Here's one from uh, Christopher who asks, uh, why do you think Spencer and her family are more central to the A mystery than the other liars? I, mean, I feel like this one's kind of just, not that the other parents are uninteresting, but I feel like the hay scenes are, I don't know, the actors who play them and their roles just give themselves more to mystery. And they live in the graveyard, right? The, the, yeah. the <laughs> perpetual grave is in their backyard. So, and they've got that barn. Everything started there. Mm. Yeah. Plus, I think the mechanics at the end of season one, I mean, and you never know where you're going if you're going to get a season two. Like, it just made sense to, let's put Ian in the house and then became Spencer's show. Like, so I think Ari was the star, like, sort of the like, first half season. And then afterwards, it was like Spencer, the Spencer supremacy rose yes. up. <laughs> I'm a Spencer supremacist. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, one that one topic that Norman Buckley wanted us to, to, to discuss was uh, Mrs. Potter's nephew. Oh. <laughs> the architect. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I can't. This is one of those things where I have a hard time distinguishing between what happened and what I have pretended happened <laughs> for so long. Yeah. Did, did Ashley Marin murder him with like a stolen pen <laughs> I, I have always assumed just from reading jacob's recaps that that's what what happened Caleb <laughs> figured out that he was not in fact an architect oh, based that's right. on the fact that of, of the pen he was like that is not a pen that an architect would use <laughs> therefore this man is impersonating mrs potter's nephew the, ar- the true architect and with that he was and maybe Caleb killed him. In addition to being the boy with the dragon tattoo, Caleb also knows how to spot an architect. By the <laughs> oh. So my wild fan theory is that Caleb, you know, to get confirmation that this is not an architect's pen, he went to the only other pen nerd in Rosa, which is Ezra. Yeah. Ezra confirmed that yes, no, no self-respecting Arizona architect would have that pen. And then that that weird flirtatious vibe that you'd feel between Ashley and Caleb after. He was outed that Caleb was like dating Hannah. Oh. They they did their own team building where they killed mm-hmm. and buried Miss, Mrs. Potter's <laughs> nephew together. All right, I'm on board with that. Maybe Ezra helped with that just to keep you know somebody else away from his turf of stalking. Well, just imagine like the the flashback where it's like Caleb and Ashley like they've dumped uh, Mr. Pot- Mrs. Potter's like nephew into a trunk of a car and they've pushed the car into the lake <laughs> and they're just watching it sink. I wouldn't mind if this whole show ended and we found out that Caleb and Ashley were the murderers. Not the bad guys, but they just were going along murdering. Oh, I like you it. Know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. In I'd be wine, good with it. In a wine-fueled, like, uh, bender. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, one thing, one topic that's been brought up in various, uh, questions. There's like Colin, JJ, Amanda, um, some others I'm probably missing here, but they all wanted us to talk about basically Ezra and is the show backtracking with him? Like, how are we supposed to take him seriously as a romantic lead because he's such a creep? Um, just thoughts on Ezra, I guess. <laughs> you guys go first. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know totally what to make with Ezra. I guess I'm, I, 
I trust the the showrunners for the most part. I, I think they do a good job. So I'm just kind of hoping they're going somewhere. I mean, it would just be a little weird if everybody just like eventually got to a point where they like pretended it didn't happen. I guess I'm hoping that he gets some sort of major comeuppance in, in some way or other. Well, I think um, I think a lot of times our critiques of this kind of thing are based in an idea of like what is being glamorized and what isn't being glamorized more than um, like, are we telling a story about sexual danger? Or are we telling a story about how it's really cool to get statutory raped? And I think generally the show keeps Ezra creepy enough that you're able to sit with Arya's story for as long as you can stand. But I also think in order to glamorize something, you have to want to be it. And I feel like who on earth would want to go to Rosewood High School, who on earth would want to spend time with Ezra doing the things that Ezra enjoys? You know, and who wants to, who wants to be Arya? Like, are we talking about an actual young, like, tween girl that you've met who's like, I like that show. And you're like, I like that show too, even though I'm a grown up. And then <laughs> the kid is like, you know who I really love? And you're like, Spencer, right? And they're like, no, I really love Arya. And the reason for that is she's so mature and grown up and I love her sense of fashion. And I also <laughs> really enjoy, um, the relationship between her and Ezra. It seems very true to life. And it's something that I would enjoy, particularly as a young woman, um, as I move forward. So I watch the show for tips. And I don't really <laughs> believe that that young lady exists. Do you know what I mean? I, I have actually been in that social gathering <laughs> where I saw a gaggle of teenage girls. And I moved, I, I had someone introduce me and I sat down and I'm like, so, PLO, go. And mm-hmm. I actually saw... Oh, wait, you were the Ezra in that situation. <laughs> <laughs> But I, I asked those questions about Spencer and how awesome Spencer is and how awesome Hannah is and Emily. And then they, I, I guess they tried to give me the glimpse into the teenage girl mindset of a certain level of maturity and worldview and how that's the fantasy of the hot English teacher who's smart, but maybe you're a little bit smarter and therefore he's into you. Mm-hmm. And I listened. I tried to listen and take in their points and I respected it that I just didn't get. <laughs> I'm like, as an adult, that's still disgusting. <laughs> what do you think of uh, Ezra, Heather? I I just want to say that I really love Ian Harding before I say what I'm going to say right now. Um, and I just think that the the reveal that Ezra this is the this is my sticking point. Hmm. The reveal that Ezra knew that Arya was like 13 or whatever, 15, whatever, when he made out with her in the pilot episode. I just can't come back from that. Like, I can't. Mm. Everything else, his surveillance equipment and the chickpeas and the, <laughs> you know, like, I'll, I could come back from all the true crime novel, whatever. I could have come back from that. But there, that the thing about where he knew all along, he, like, knowingly seduced Arya, knowing he was going to be in a position of authority over her, knowing that she was, a like, a very young mm-hmm. <laughs> teenager. Mm. I just can't. I just can't come back from that. And. I can enjoy the show without, um, like, it's not like I want to abandon the show for that. And the writers may pull me back in from that. The writers may, you know, they may know where they're going with that. But for me, for right now, that's like my sticking point. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But I, do, I just, I really do love Ian Harding. I think he's great. And um, and I, Evil Ezra was my favorite. And Jacob was always <laughs> saying that, like, Ian Harding had never been sexier than when he was so evil. And that was kind of true. I, I could have done with him saying evil. Maybe he still is. Who knows? What if he like also had like eyeliner while he was evil Ezra? Oh yeah. See, I, I keep hoping for Arya and Ezra to just like go goth together. 
just just yes. just become like the dark couple. Yeah, but that, that's interesting what you bring up with the the detail that he knew. Like they didn't have to write it that way. So it's like, why did you? They could have just, just said like, he didn't yeah. know, and then and then basically the rest of it plays out the same. Right. Yes. I mean, don't you want the show to end with like the this is what happened to everybody kind of ending and. <laughs> Arya just walks up to Ezra one day and like ruffles his hair and says, Ezra, you're a putz, you know, and then she goes and writes her tell all book about their relationship. You just you're doing the scene where it's, you know, like the text across the bottom where they all ended up and it just cuts to Ezra in a jail cell. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I actually heard a girl on the subway the other day explaining to her mom about Pretty Little Liars. This was amazing. And she was talking about the time vortex and how no one's aging and we don't really know how old one is. And so maybe their relationship isn't that weird. But she had this really compelling argument that maybe Arya is actually older than Ezra, <laughs> like, depending on how people age in Rosewood. And I was like, well, all right. <laughs> However you get there. Yeah. All right. Here's a, a tough question. If you had to sacrifice Tippy to bring back Mona, would you go for it? Yes. Mm-hmm. No, I really don't. I I don't want them to bring back Mona, but I was that was the saddest. Mm-hmm. Oh, that was the saddest. Mm-hmm. I, I would absolutely kill that bird. That bird means nothing to me. <laughs> <laughs> I just lo- I just love Mona. I can't believe how much I fell in love with her. I can't believe how. I mean, Janelle Parrish is a magician. I, I, she just did things with Mona that no regular person should be able to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, with Mona, it's hard to pinpoint exactly when I realized how awesome she was. Like, it might have been when she was revealed to be as A, but then it suddenly it felt like I'd known all along that she was totally awesome. Yeah, exactly. You know? I think I think it was the explanation of how she was A <laughs> that sold me. <laughs> Like when Annabeth Gish says, like she has adrenalized hyper reality or whatever. Like that was the moment where I was like, oh, potentially the greatest television character ever. Well, okay, so Heather, you're a Skins fan, right? Yes. Uh, not yes, not Skins right. Fire, but Skins. <laughs> like Mona, I almost wanted to be like Effie because I only watched like the first four seasons of Skins, but like sure. I wanted her to be like Effie, where like she's the one who realizes she's in the TV show, and like <laughs> she knows how to move the cursor along the document or whatever. You know what I mean? <laughs> That's just how I assumed Mona worked. Um, but I remember going into season five and, and like as we started watching dynamics playing out and we were talking about the fatal finale, like Benji and I, and I thought, well, they had to lose either Allison or Mona. Like this town can't, con- can't contain both of these forces of nature at the same time. But yeah, I don't think I want Mona to come back just because it would just cheapen it. She was so amazing. Yeah. I, I think, um, Jacob, you, you stopped recapping almost right before this reveal that Mona was the one who had rescued Allie, like from the side of the street after she'd been married, buried and sent her off like in a yeah. wig or whatever. Yeah. I, I always wanted to hear your thoughts on that. Well, I, I mean, it's beautiful. It, it, it explained so much about what was going on with Mona and it sort of reified all of the things that you could figure out from the way that she related to everyone else. Like, I thought it was great. I thought taking it back to that first location was really smart because she did sort of take so much. Uh, there were so many emotional threads that she carried. Like that guy came and worked in their school. Oh right, <laughs> yeah. But it was just like it was where it was where the superhero origin really started. And seeing that sort of like you said, she's a wizard. So seeing that sort of like obsessive love and you know and and sort of destructive thing that she had previously you know put on to hannah and then she put it on to spencer mm-hmm. for a while and uh and to to see it sort of originate there and, and it's like she was saving allison from her 
right? right? <laughs> Which I thought was really incredible. I mean, obviously that that was a mercy that didn't last very long because then she stalked all of Allison's friends. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But um, in terms of the character, it's like, how do you take this character who's everything and just completely out of control and and it can can go anywhere and do anything and like give them an actual like soul? And to me, that was that was a really beautiful moment when you know what she's doing. Even going back and rewatching episode now, like you you know that she's like playing Allison and being like, I don't care what you do, just get the hell out, you know. But that doesn't make it any less tender, and that is a really tough thing to get across even though you experience it in real life a lot. Yeah. And it's something that I had always associated with Mona going back to that first reveal when she's talking about the way that she feels towards, towards Hannah and towards the other liars. So to me, it felt like, like the ending of, of that sort of chapter. So that when she came back to school, it really was, you know, either like these two Titans or that she had become more of a Jenna thing. Like, mm-hmm. sure. I have to be a monster now or else I'm the one, you know? Right. Yeah. I actually thought uh, this past season, the relationship between Mona and Hannah and then Hannah's struggle of trying to figure out who made her. Was it Mona who made her or did she make herself and did she make her an Allie's image? And like, mm. how did she love her and did she love her? That's my one of my favorite storylines of any season and yeah. probably my favorite Hannah storyline of all. Um, yeah. And it all does rest on like what Jacob's saying about Mona's psychosis but also her ability to really love these objects of her obsession Mm. man she's a great character (laughs) yeah one of the things especially in season three when we kind of got to see the other side of her i really love the way they showed her vulnerability and even though you knew she was like this like evil super villain you it was like you just couldn't help feeling sorry for her and then you think like why am i feeling sorry for her she's the bad guy but she was so convincing that you I don't, it's like you could never tell. Is this sincere? Is it not? It's, it's kind of both at the same time. But you're also, you know, as much as you're rooting for your protagonist, you're also kind of, in a way, secretly, you don't talk about it, you're rooting for Mona to maybe win whatever her <laughs> endgame is. But yeah, the Dark Hannah Saga or whatever you want to call it, like, it was one of the most real, like, storylines that I think a lot of people could really relate to, these like, identity issues. Cause we're not all, you know, buried alive and then climbing out of a grave. (laughs) No, not, not all of us, not all of us, but like just Hannah and her struggle of who made her if she didn't make herself. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think everyone touches on something like that similar in their life. Yeah. All right. I've got a one here from JJ. He says, what is everyone's favorite headcanon that turned out to not be true? Uh, I thought Mrs. De Laurentiis killed Allison <laughs> on accident. I thought I had this theory that she killed Allison because she was trying to kill Cece. And maybe she was like in some kind of like wine stupor. And she's like, <laughs> no more trading souls. And so <laughs> she she killed Allie thinking it was Cece. But that turned out not to be true. I um <clears throat> The first one that cut Toby's mom was a character on the show. Cause, uh, not Toby, I'm sorry. That, Caleb, that Caleb's mom was a character on the show. Oh, possibly. Yeah. Annabeth Gish. I right. really, I really would have liked, um, Caleb to, to, well, <laughs> my wish was that we would learn more about Caleb's family. And now looking back, <laughs> maybe sure. that was not the, yeah. Uncle Daddy, not so exciting. <laughs> Uncle Dad, Jamie. Yeah. Marco? Um, I, I like both those. I, I kind of wondered a long time, like, if Annabeth Gift is going to play more of a central part into the mystery now that she's introduced, like, is she going to secretly be Toby's mom or, or something like that? Uh, I still think she's evil. I just want them to 
end it with like a psycho thing where it's like Ren in a dress, a knife revealing that he's Redcoat or what have you, Black Widow trying to murder them. Oh man, Ren is on New Girl right now, and he's Goes just boyfriend. <laughs> Jesse's boyfriend, and he's he's so wonderful. And now now I don't want him to be evil anymore, but I think he might be the <laughs> ultimate bad guy. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'd say since since I came up with it, my my theory, I guess I should mention it here. Um, for a, a long time, and I don't I don't really think this, but I, I kind of like to believe it is that uh, Hannah and Emily aren't real. That <laughs> Emily is Spencer's kind of imagined Tyler Durden <laughs> self, and that Hannah is Arya's version of that. <laughs> I used, I I love to obsessively watch like the seating arrangements and and who's doing what. Um, I don't know. I I, I just think it's a fun way to watch the show. I ha- I was working with a theory last season that this show is all taking place in Mona's mind. Um, and she's like, these are her dolls, but she's playing it out in like a live action kind of way. <laughs> but, you know, it still could be true. Mona could Mona might kill herself off in her own imagination. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I feel like we could get a, a last shot of the show where it like pulls out and it's inside a snow globe or something like that. Same elsewhere. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I would love it. They did that for like several characters. Like it's it's in Jenna's snow globe. Then pull out. It's actually in Mona's and pull out. It's in Allison's and it's back at Mona's. Yeah. It's a Sally Draper nightmare scenario. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay, here's one from Naya Cut Your Nails who asks, "What would be your ideal spinoff for the show?" Can this show spin off? I don't know if it can spin off. <laughs> yeah, that's what I ran into when I was thinking about this question. Because I think any, I think we saw from Ravenswood that it it kind of upsets the balance if there's stuff happening in another show. It, it just kind of like throws your brain off. You're trying to think about the mysteries of PLL, but then like there's this other thing happening elsewhere. Like, couldn't the ghost tell you who A is? Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was just going to say, I think part of the thing about Pretty Little Liars is it does have that unnameable thing unnameable cohesive thing that sets it apart and i think ravenswood tried to recreate that and there were a lot of great elements mm-hmm. you know of a show and still very surprising that that show was on abc family but i think that it's hard to recreate that magic because there is something happening on pretty little liars that x factor or whatever um it's just a magical chemistry and i don't i think you just are lucky if you can have it and i'm just not sure you can recreate it mm-hmm. yeah well i think like you said, it has that magical thing. Ravenswood probably would have been a lot more successful if it wasn't a PLL spinoff. Sure. You know, wasn't wasn't tied to that. But PLL has that magical thing where you can sit around and bullshit if your friends like nine different spinoff ideas. Sure. <laughs> you know, and maybe they don't all really have legs after a few giggles. But like, how many shows have that? You know. True. And what do you think, Jacob? Any spinoff ideas you'd like to see? CC Jake. <laughs> just just. The CC Drake show. The CC Drake show, like it could be, it could it could be a variety show. She could <laughs> slide down onto the stage, you know, a, a fireman's pole, or she could travel the world, solving or starting fire. Like she could do anything, and it would be. Oh, it could be like a forty-two minute show, no no words, and it's just CC travels to a location, starts a fire, every, a new location every week. <laughs> it's like a like a travel show. It's like the Incredible Hulk. Takes a mannequin like Oh yeah. yes. But she also like interviews a guest while something's burning, <laughs> then pushes them off a roof. Yeah. <laughs> then calls a blind girl and tells her she's gonna claw like claw her eyes out. 
or she could just like help ailing businesses like on the profit like cc shows up and she's like here's what you should do to help your business be more successful and then they're like okay and then and then they do what she said and it doesn't work but it's so amazing that they don't mind and then they're happy when she's gone or she just becomes a contestant on every reality show like one week you're watching top chef and then there she is and she's like a master chef and you know what i mean like she's one week she's on the real housewives and and people are like was she here nobody questions it was she and she's here and she's gone and she rides off like shane yeah yes or like yeah the somehow magically what shouldn't work the business turns around and like cc's practices are good for them and then tragedy the the building burns down and we <laughs> cut to across the street and she's just like smoking a cigarette and smiling. Wearing a mask of her own face. Yeah. Oh, yes. <laughs> All right. Here's one from Colin who asks, uh, is Hannah finally on her way to becoming both white and black swans now that she knows Mona made her alley? That's a great question. Who asked that question? <laughs> it's Colin Vertuil. All right. Oh, yeah. Hi, Colin. Hey, Colin. I don't know Jacob. how to answer that. That, that feels like Jacob. Jacob territory. Yeah, he. you're great with Black Swan stuff, Jacob. Well, I think that um, she's always been the most attentive to sort of critiquing her own personal propaganda and her di- ideas about who she is, that she, like, raised herself, that she was raised by wolves. And, and so it, <laughs> her stuff doesn't go that deep, you know? So she was the first one to get over grieving Allie, and she was the first one to realize that Allie's bullshit. And, and so the idea of... This, like, if she's already figured out all of the lies and she's, like, the only one that ever has a normal boyfriend, you know, that, like, if she's figured out all of the lies, then all she's really got is this, like, okay, well, if, if you take Hannah apart, like, on a basic level, then what even is Hannah? And the answer is, like, if you're not anything, then you can be everything. You know, it's like, okay, right. the, end, mm. the end of the Manchurian Candidate, mm. you know? <laughs> Do you know what I'm talking about? Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. When that, when they like, spoiler alert, the movie's 50 years old. When they show <laughs> him like the entire pack of cards, and he just goes kaboom, and then he's Neo. Right. Right. <laughs> That's uh, Hannah is. Uh, I would say Hannah was always going to be the first one to get there, and so this idea of like even the basic shit that she now can disentangle herself from or dismantle herself from, and these sort of routines that she goes through without even thinking about it. In that way, then, like, maybe leaving Las Vegas stuck with Caleb was the best option because at least then you, like, have somewhere to start from. Yep. I think the show is headed in some interesting directions with Hannah because they've kind of subtly worked in, like, oh, by the way, she's actually smart and she got good SAT scores. Mm -hmm. Uh, Just maybe because she didn't think about it when she took the test. Like, I don't know. They're they're going something more weird with Hannah, uh, but I like it. I think the thing about Hannah is that Hannah's always been like a fucking, I'm sorry, can I swear? Oh, yeah. Hannah's, I'm sorry. <laughs> Hannah's always been a fucking genius. And mm. she, on an emotional level, she is a genius. And on an intellectual mm. level, she's a genius. She's just not operating in the confines of what we as a society are like. She's not operating in those <laughs> academic, you know, like. Who, as she Spencer care. defines it. Yeah, it's yeah. not, it's not, like she's outside of that matrix. And she's operating in a way that actually matters. Um, the liars have always like treated her like the dits, and so she just kind of plays that role. Mm-hmm. Um, I always think that she is just playing that role. Mm-hmm. I really yeah. do. Like I, yeah. I, yeah, that's not. I think Hannah's the smartest person on the show. Um, yeah. in every way. Yeah, uh, I agree with everything Jacob said. I'm going to update my my previous answer about the spinoffs to say that I want I want Betty Buckley to come back as Hannah's grandma. Oh yeah. Now with Angela Lansbury as her other grandma. <laughs> <laughs> 
maybe they sing songs, maybe they solve crimes. I don't really care anymore. <laughs> That's a great spinoff idea. I could get behind that. Yeah. Betty Buckley's so great. Remember that episode where she just like sings the national anthem? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And Arya's like, why is she doing that? And Hannah's like, uh, because she can. Exactly. <laughs> oh, Betty Buckley. I love Betty Buckley. So another question we've got from several different uh, fans is just Allie in general. Like, is Allie a sociopath or not? I think that Allie has a lot of characteristics of a sociopathic person, but I don't think she is without empathy. I just think that Allie is operating three or four steps ahead of everyone. And she always makes the fatal mistake of not, she's just, I think Allie is very Dumbledorean in the sense that she's moving mm. all of these pieces into place. Mm. Um, Dumbledore was just better at it. And I think he had a deeper sense of empathy <laughs> about mm. him. And maybe he had the experience to know what he was doing with the Voldemort's of the world. I think Allie is a person who came into an awareness of the power of her own sexuality and the power of female sexuality at a very early age. And uh, that's three quarters of the battle in life, I think. It's just yeah. knowing that. And I think she came into that awareness so young. And so she's trying to move people around into these places to keep herself safe and to keep them safe um and she just truly seems baffled when the liars won't just do what she wants them to do mm -hmm. but she doesn't want to explain herself there would be no show if she explained herself <laughs> um so no i don't think ellie is a sociopath i just think that she is um she's just operating on a different level toward a different thing i think yeah i i, I don't even have anything to add to that that's exactly what i, I I thought it was a huge challenge for them to um, bring her in in a way that would stick. Sure. Mm -hmm. uh, because because now you have, like, there have been moments where we didn't quite know what was going on with that little boy, you know. And, like, <laughs> but to have somebody who, it's a condition of the character that we don't ever know mm -hmm. really what's going on with her and have her join the club in a way that, um, sadly, Mona never did. I think it's it's a huge challenge, but what we're seeing from her is a tremendous amount of vulnerability and a tremendous amount of that uh, if you have a nuclear arsenal on your hands and a, a great deal of um, secrets to keep hidden and a, and a great deal of people to keep safe and to get out of the situation alive, then probably from the outside you look like a huge mess. You probably look pretty crazy because that's a lot of that's a level that <laughs> like Heather said that you're working on that um that wouldn't be comprehensible to anyone on the ground. Yeah. I think it's like the only person that really understood the level she was operating on was Mona mm -hmm. because we judge Allie and the liars judge Allie by this like very high school mean girl standard. And sure, if you're judging her from that narrow standard, sure, she seems like a mean girl, but Allie is operate. Uh, Allie's scope of life is so much bigger than what's happening in the perpetual senior year of Rosewood high school. Like, you know, she's, <laughs> she's, she's trying to accomplish things that are so much bigger than graduating you know so oh yeah it's like not only did she acquire that power at a, a much younger age but all the problems that came with it and so she's just been dealing with different issues ever since then kind of beyond the usual high school stuff i want to say this about allison and emily and and that is that i think allison and emily have a really fascinating relationship because i think that allison understood emily's sexuality on a level that i'm not even sure emily still understands i don't even i don't mean her sexual orientation i just meant emily's power her sexual power i don't think emily understands that right. and and i think allison understands how it could be used both as a weapon 
and as a way to control people. But I also think she is a little susceptible to it because I do think that Allison has like a genuine affection and a genuine attraction toward Emily. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think Emily's acting much like, like Paige does in their relationship, but towards Allison. I was going to go on a whole thing there about maybe Allison is Dumbledore if Harry Potter had to become Dumbledore, you know, like uh, the girl oh, who lived, but yeah. it, doesn't, it doesn't quite check out. Um, but yeah, like I, I think, I know Benji, you've been saying for the longest time, if only the liars would just to calm down a little bit and trust Allison in this case. Well, that's like her, <laughs> her fatal flaw is that she assumes that not just the liars, but other people like Shauna, for instance, are going to stick with her or Noel Kahn. Mm. Uh, she, she doesn't, bring them in enough into her what she's actually doing she assumes their loyalty and that gets her into trouble well just imagine it's like you know one of your friends was sherlock holmes but they didn't look like benedict cumberbatch or robert downey jr <laughs> they look like allison de Laurentiis. i think yeah like she's just not using her powers to solve crimes um, see but that's i think it's a beautiful thing to have a young beautiful teenage girl who has the powers of a very sexy older male Sherlock <laughs> Holmes because the world <laughs> treats you so differently yeah. the world you know they're always going to underestimate you and they're always going to try to victimize you nobody's trying to victimize Sherlock Holmes I just right. mm-hmm. I love that about Allison I love yeah. that about the show we tell people like if you hate Allison I mean I'm not going to question that good for you if you if you want that but like if you don't appreciate her you're missing like several flavors of the show like, if you don't appreciate it's, what she's doing yeah it's hard to it's hard because i think when you talk about pretty little liars you're talking to fans of the show and you're talking to shippers and it's mm-hmm. just they're coming at those things from two completely different right. angles yeah in the episode we're just about to recap is the one where uh baker brozak hits on hannah and then Arya totally doesn't believe her right um i always wanted hannah to go to Allie with that because i feel like Allie would have gotten shit done you know, and she, like she would have just destroyed that guy. Her right out of the gate. She would have, she would have mm-hmm. believed her because that's yeah. what you do. Yeah. All right. Let's see. What's another question for us here? Who is your dream big A? And who do you think was actually big A? That's of course a common one. That's from Kendra. You guys go. I don't, I don't want to know. I don't want to know who A is. I don't ever want to know who A is. Yeah. <laughs> I could definitely live without ever knowing who A is. <laughs> yeah. I would, I would not feel cheated if I never found out who A was. I don't, that's not why I watch the show. Yeah. I don't know if I necessarily want her to be A, uh, but and I know some of the fans like can't stand these theories, but I would love it if Arya had some other dimension to her, like she was secretly <laughs> evil, just because I feel like if you watch the show assuming that, she's so much more interesting. Yeah. Do you want her to be cognitively evil or sort of like breaking from reality and acting like evil, that, yeah. Like a okay, like a Both? Twin Peaks kind of Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I uh I, I kind of agree. To, I've come around to where you guys are, where I almost don't care if we find out who A is. But when I initially watched the show, it was because somebody on, I saw somebody on Twitter talking about here's this mystery show, which is always my catnip. I always love mystery shows. But also there's this weird relationship with a girl and her teacher. And it's kind of, you know, risque. And I thought, oh, here we go. Like Dawson's Creek again. And then I found something so much more colorful oh, sure. in the show. Um, I love that place what they call for jj Abrams, like the mystery box where you're just wondering what's inside the next twist or turn or where does it go i love that i mean if the show went for like 12 seasons i'd be ecstatic <laughs> just yeah. for the characters and for the mystery it's hard to think that they could come up with another a that would be as satisfying as mona yeah i feel like oh i kinda... feel like for me ezra was very satisfying mm. thinking of him yeah. as a was really great yeah, for yeah. Sure. Uh, here's one from Heather Blakely. To which Hogwarts house do you think A belongs to? 
<laughs> I feel like Slytherin's kind of the default choice there, right? Sure. That's why I want to say Gryffindor. <laughs> I think it's, it has to be one of those two. There's, there's right. the line, the line between Slytherin and Gryffindor is so thin. Mm. Slytherins and Gryffindors don't like to think about it, but the line between those two houses is <laughs> barely there. Here's one from Amanda. Um, she asks, "What the fuck is wrong with the adult men in Rosewood?" <laughs> and then sub sub to that, why is Ezra treated like a special case? Uh, I think Ezra is treated like a special case because he has Ian Harding's face. <laughs> I mean, you know, he was, and I think that um, Ezra shippers are an, an army of um, excessive power. <laughs> mm. <laughs> I, think that, mm. I don't think that the network is going to move away from that. But to me, those two questions are really the, they seem more and more like the same question. When I was thinking about having this conversation with you all, I just kept thinking about like, somebody said in conversation the other day, something about um, true detective, like in my regular life. And it was like, well, not everything can be true detective. Like some things are actually good, like pretty little liars is good. And of course that was me trolling without even thinking about it. And the person that I was um, having a beer with was like, what well, that's like, okay, well, here's the thing. But how do you define something as good is pretty much you have to call out to an expert. Mm-hmm. And so the, what's the best show on TV? Well, if I say it's Pretty Little Liars and you say it's True Detective, that just means that we're two very different people. Sure. And so the entire idea of like trying to like justify or do the high, high low culture conversation is increasingly boring to me because it's like well those guys just happen to be like the old white guys the true detective is about so i don't really trust their expertise as far as what i'm going to enjoy but i can say that the men in rosewood (laughs) and ezra are both about as and this is and and i agree that the actor is really good but ezra's not the point of the story and so if you if you are looking at um little lives is the best show ever made that person is going to treat the young ladies on the show the way that your dad treats the men on True Detective. Mm. And all of a sudden, the women on True Detective, maybe they have personalities, maybe they don't, maybe their tits are out. But either way, like somebody's going to show up and hand the guy a gun. In a James Bond movie where the lady shows up and hands him a gun and that's what the lady does, mm. you know? Mm-hmm. Or maybe like she gives him a blowjob. That like, <laughs> if the story is really about Arya, Ian, um, Ezra only exists insofar as he is her sexual secret in the first season and he is a sign of the larger problems of Rosewood for the rest of us. But is he a special case? No, because the story's not about him. And we have this tendency to treat all of the characters equally mm-hmm. or to treat the characters that we're presented with as and all of the male characters are, are equally real people. Whereas the women that come in and out of these girls' lives don't really matter as much. Like, we're not going to be asking, like, well, you know, Shauna did some pretty fucked up things. What does that say about Halloween store employees or, <laughs> or lesbians? Like, you, do you know what I'm saying? That you, you have to question the, the underlying foundation of like, why are the men in Rosewood so terrible? Well, it's because the show is for people who know down to the marrow of their bones that men are terrible mm-hmm. and that have, they have been raised to be like, watch out, don't do this, keep yourself safe, don't dress like that. Like, it's describing a state that might not be real to somebody who thinks True Detective is the best show on earth, but definitely is real to the rest of us mm-hmm. and something that we've had beat into us every day of our lives. Like that Margaret Atwood thing about men are afraid that women will laugh at them, but women are afraid that men will kill them. <laughs> 
Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think I would actually argue that Ezra isn't a special case. Uh, Zach, Ella's fiance is because all the dudes in Rosewood are totally skeezy. A lot of them hit on the women, you know, like Ren, for instance. I think Ren gets a free pass a lot of time. Mm-hmm. Um, Zach is the only one where they ever really went there and said, like, hey, this is creepy and wrong, like within the text <laughs> that show and not just inferred you know as a viewer you can think that but the, the show never really addressed that really until zach because he didn't have that british accent yeah. uh before i answer that though, so jacob <laughs> you would say that like true detective ezra or even the zach is like indicative of a larger problem that we have in society i would say he's the furniture in a story about aria mm-hmm. okay okay um yeah i guess i would say that i was initially surprised to find that rosewood was in pennsylvania and not like a town in florida where you know creepy uh, young girl hunting men could go like visit like disneyland (laughs) um but i think uh the reason ezra gets treated special case if i I could be flippant is it's the same reason it's it's because of how Arya says ezra's name whenever she's in a conversation with the liars you either love it or you hate it in that dichotomy is your answer (laughs) you guys ezra says this And I just, you know, I always think to myself, cut to Emily in her classic eye roll, you know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I think we're running out of questions here. Just trying to look for any others. Did you guys have any that you wanted to bring up? I guess you guys got them all. Let's see. Uh, yeah. A suspects. I don't know. Uh, do you guys have any top suspects for A? That's from mid-20s mess. I'm not even sure the show's nailed down who they think is A yet. I think it's silly to theorize about that until the show knows what it's going to do because, you know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't get the feeling that they brought in Shauna knowing that Shauna was going to be a... Well, right, right. no. Right. And I think, you know, like you could look at like temples that we talked about in the 100th episode that everyone who got that text, you know, most likely was not, or who was present was not likely a... But then again, that's the that's the beauty of a mystery show is to play sure. with that, you know. There have been so many times where you dialing. can't see Arya's hands when people get texts. Yeah, I was just, just saying, Arya could be pocket dialing. <laughs> <laughs> is, that, is that a thing? You can never see Arya's hands when people. When, when Not always, but there there have been times where like there's. I think it was in the season season three premiere when they get the A text at the end. Arya has her hands behind her back. It's it's just kind of strange. Oh, do you want to start the uh, the false rumor that Arya's just been catfishing everyone the whole time and and she, <laughs> you never see her hands like mm-hmm. like Giles is the first evil in Buffy because <laughs> he never yeah. touches anybody. <laughs> yeah. I love it. One thing Norman Buckley wanted us to bring, talk about also was uh, Noel Khan's passport business. <laughs> Wait, what? Khan, like was able to get Allie like fake IDs oh, and right. passports. Sure. sure. What is going on, Nolcon? I think there's like some sort of magical portal in his cabin, you know, because like Maya was living in the walls there for a while. <laughs> it, it came alive and attacked maybe a couple. I don't remember Spencer, maybe. So there's probably some magical element to that cabin where he can make that magic because he certainly does not have a journalized type of reality no i don't know jacob jacob might think that noel has a journalized type of reality i think he's got a lot going on (laughs) i will say that well like in the in the taxonomy of those kind of things i think of nocon as more of a more of a jenna and less of a Mm. mona or allison level of wizard Mm. that he like he doesn't really need to do anything cool uh, just because he is going around being Noel Khan all the time, in the same way that Jenna never does anything. Like she made po- she made pottery and she drove a car, 
but mostly <laughs> but she, even, even though she's blind, but like mostly what she does is just sort of ooze into the room and creep everybody out. <laughs> you know? yeah. She's got a stick, you know? And I think that that is also Noel Kahn's thing. He's just sort of like, well, I just came out of the shadows. This time I happen to have a fake ID. Next time, <laughs> you don't know, I'm Noel Kahn. Misogyny personified. Exactly. Well, he, that's the thing is, he's the, compared to Jenna and her, her basically being the little girl from the ring, but blind and playing on our fears somewhat of handicapped people or something. Like, Noel Kahn looks like a lot of, you know, white guys with product in their hair on the street, but he's capable of these weird, creepy, mysterious things. Yeah, I've, I have a lot of theories about Noel Kahn, but I, I feel like this is a another area where it's almost better not to find out. Yeah. Uh, you'd rather just let your imagination run wild as to how exactly he's getting these passports. Jacob used to talk about that in his recaps, like, Noel existed on another show, and who else? Jenna existed, like, on another <laughs> yeah. show. Yeah. Well, and on their show, the liars are, like, the villains. Right. Yeah. I, I'm amazed that we've gone this whole whole roundtable and we haven't discussed, like, Melissa once. Oh, yeah. I mean, the fact that, like, you know, it used to be, like, Jenna was, like, kind of, like, the underlying big bad for so long. I mean, everyone came back to Jenna, but the show always comes back to Melissa. Mm-hmm. Every other red herring is Melissa. Like, what? what is the future of Melissa Hastings on this show? Or what would you pick for her? I want her to come back with a British accent. Oh, yeah. that'd be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> that's really good. Well, that kind of comes in. Let's let's go ahead and close off with this question. Uh, just kind of, who, who do you think is the most underutilized character? Or who would you like to see more of, like, worked in more of the show? I would like to see Emily be more than sweet. Like, I, I really like it when Emily's kind of nuts and kind of <laughs> angry and... Mm. Um, I think Shay Mitchell has grown a lot as an actor, and I think she some of her best stuff is just when she's just so pissed off. Um, yeah. So I'd like to see a little bit more of that with Emily. I feel like Emily may be the least fleshed out of all the liars. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yes, that's my wish. Less reactive. Yes. So much shit is always happening to her. Mm-hmm. Right. And when shit happens to Hannah, you're going to hear about it. Right. But when shit happens to Emily... You, there's no time to talk about it because some shit is already happening to Emily. Right. And they've given Emily like the frailest nerves. Like we talk about on our show a lot, like twigs are always snapping around Emily. Four <laughs> always creaking. There's always somebody walking and breathing hard behind her. She has, like Shay Mitchell has amazing like reactions that she can do. But yeah, it's always like she has to react and then she has to do something very kinetic. Whereas Hannah at least gets to talk about it. Spencer gets to have a whole half-season storyline about it. And Arya probably won't shut up about it. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I could have watched two more minutes in that scene where, like, Emily threatens Sydney, like, threatens to cut her head off and <laughs> her and cut her in pieces and burn the pieces and mail the pieces to her enemies. I mean, like, I could have watched that go on forever. Yeah, for, that was great. All right, well, what about you, Jacob? Uh, what character would you like to see get used more? Um, I would like anything having Aria is my answer. My answer is Aria. <laughs> I would honestly, I, she can do anything. So how come she's only ever doing one thing? Sure. Mm-hmm. And I think a proactive Aria would not upset anyone. It would not ruin the show at all if Aria, because sometimes Aria has a plan. It's not a great plan. I'll grant you. But then sometimes, you know, if people would just like listen to Aria, then like maybe it wouldn't get so bad. Because when she's on her own, when she's with Ezra, she's terrible. Mm. But when she's like, like there's a there's an ugly dynamic between Hannah and Spencer that I think the writers think is funnier than I do. Oh, I where agree. 
Spencer's gross to Hannah a lot. Yeah. And mm-hmm. sometimes it seems intended to make Spencer look like an asshole. And other times it's just like kick Hannah day. And I'm, I'm not really down with either of those things. But when Arya is around, she mediates that in a way that I think is really cool. And, um, you know, and I'm really into Ari's compassion. I used to write about that every time it came up, which was like twice. And uh, <laughs> it was a really big deal to me both times. But I, I don't know. I like that. I mean, it's like she's the sister. Like she should have something to do one of these days that is not about her dumb relationship or her mm-hmm. wonderful relationship, depending on who's listening to this. Uh, you know? Yes, yeah. I totally mm-hmm. agree. Uh, yeah, I, I would actually agree with Jacob. Like Arya and and... Like Rhonda and Radley, like Ari on her own Rhonda. was amazing. And, um, like, like I said, we're about to do that episode, but like, I love the fact that Aria will only refer to that girl as Big Rhonda. <laughs> she would not refer to her as any other Big Rhonda, but Aria, she can be a monster, but she's also amazing when she's a monster. But yeah, like, I think you're right. She is, to me, should always kind of edge out a little bit, just a little bit as being the main character of anyone, just because that's how the show, I think, started. But she can be very compelling when she has her own adventures or how she interacts with the others. Or like with Benji's theory, like, uh, Spencer, like, don't, don't talk to my, my alter ego, Hannah. It's like, don't, <laughs> don't talk down to her. You talk down to me. <laughs> Speak into my weird fashion. Occasionally, Arya is very competent too, like when she needs to be. Yeah. Yes, yeah. but another great thing about Arya is that she, even when she comes at things from this really compassionate, empathetic place, she always fucks stuff up. And <laughs> and I think that's a great catalyst for other people's stories. Like, let her get yeah. out on her own away from Ezra. Um, mm-hmm. And even just fuck stuff up trying yeah. to do good. That's that's good storytelling. That's fun stuff. Exactly. Well, I'll go ahead and say Ren. Um, I miss Ren. And I... Ren, I think it's just the accent lets him get away with being such a creep when you, you don't realize it the same way that like when somebody else does it. Um, cause he's, he's so slimy and yet likable at the same time. I, I think the show could use more of him. When he's actively scammed on two of the liars. Oh, yes. You know, like even Ezra hasn't like hit mm-hmm. on Spencer per se. Um, well, and they know about it. Like they, you know, Downton Grabby, like they, like they're aware <laughs> that Ren's like just this like, you know, Lothario, but it's, it's, he's not threatening at the same time. Right, right. Cause even a lie would sound charming in that accent. Yeah. I would like to actually see Lucy Hale, you know, when she gets older or whatever, you know, gets away from the teenage, you know, role that she plays, do a like new girl type sitcom. And maybe, uh, <laughs> maybe Julian Morris can come back for that too. I just want to <laughs> see her play villains all the time. Yeah. The other thing that's great about Aria is that, uh, she and her mom, like those two actors, they have mm-hmm. so many of the same mannerisms. They have so many of the same speech patterns. I love to see those people. I love to see those two interact. I would love to see more of, of their relationship. Yeah. yeah, I always think it's neat when you can kind of see characteristics of the liars and their parents. Yeah. Like I think Peter and Spencer share a lot, uh, even though they're they're very different in some ways. Mm-hmm. Well, the only, the only couple that I feel like you don't, or the only family you don't see that as much with is Emily and her family. Um, I guess you can see a lot of the same qualities, like the values that Wayne and Pam have probably instilled in her, but it just doesn't play out as interesting all the time. As, no, she's she's the good girl. She's the, the yeah. responsible one. But yeah, I think, yeah, like Heather said, she needs to ditch that a little bit, get a little crazy. Uh, I don't know if maybe like a Dark Emily saga. is. Oh, how long before it. they kill off Wayne? I mean, that's just a ticking time bomb. Yeah, really. How is Wayne still alive? That's crazy. <laughs> Yeah. At any moment, he's just going to have a heart attack and die. Mm-hmm. He, I don't know. He's fit. He, remember when he scaled the wall like Spider-Man to pull yep. Emily out of that 
normal bitch. Act normal bitch. <laughs> Which I feel like is going to be like the season six premiere title or something. Right? Yes. Yes. Uh, that would blow people's mind if they announced that on Twitter. That season six starts with an episode called Act Normal Bitch. <laughs> <laughs> um, just be called Act Normal Bitch. Just yeah. yeah. But yeah, I imagine I imagine like the third time Emily's living room gets destroyed, that's when Wayne like that's the heart attack he doesn't come back from. <laughs> <laughs> it's a helicopter that time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They wrote it in such a way that they can just kill him at any time now and be like, see, we said he had a heart condition. Yeah. Yeah. Have you ever even seen Pam since so she had that panic attack in that hotel after the? Oh yeah. I don't oh, there's know the the popover uh, dinner with Hannah. Hannah knows what Hannah means. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for joining us. This was a lot of fun. Yes. Thank yeah. you so much. It's great. It was great talking about. Yep. You All right. Have you too. All right. Thanks. You too. Bye. Bye.